0: Hey, everyone. This is Mike Flanagan. On this episode of the Inside Bowling Show, we welcome the Executive Director of the United States Bowling Congress, Chad Murphy. On this show, we talk about a number of topics, including the protests happening in America, Chad's bowling career, and how he navigates the bowling waters and his role at USBC. This show, if you found it by now, is broadcast live on Facebook and YouTube, and you should head over to those accounts by searching Inside Bowling to watch the program and check our schedule for future episodes. If you're enjoying our show, do us a favor and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. It would mean a great deal to Matt and I. If you really like what we're doing here and would like to support the show, head over to insidebowling.com and check out our merch. You can save 15% with coupon code IBSHOW. Elements from the show today were intended for both video and audio, and we apologize if at some point in the show you can't quite follow along. This is a great reminder that all of our shows are archived on our YouTube channel. This being our final week of the first chapter of the show, episode number 36, here it is with Chad Murphy. Thank <music> Hello everybody, we got a new month here. June the 1st. Mike and Matt here with you on this Monday. Episode number 36. We said we'd do 40, so this is um kind of emotional week, our final week here, Matt. Um we don't know what the future of the show looks like, but we're happy and proud of the work that we've done for 35 episodes and the next 5. I'm going to be damn proud of those too. What about you, Matt?
1: Yeah, Mike, we're on the home stretch here, following up the the first set of guaranteed episodes, so it's going to be another great week here. We've got more great guests on tap and I uh, can't wait to have some more great chats with you.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, today's guests were very close to, and uh, he and his group over at the United States Bowling Congress have been very kind to myself and all of us here at inside bowling. That's for sure. And our, our guest today is going to be Chad Murphy. And, you know, we could have had him on very early because he's, he's a snap snap decision. Uh, sure. I'm, I'll come on. Cause he, lo- he loves doing things like this. And, you know, why did it take so long to get Chad on the show? And, and sometimes you just don't know why, you know, you just, when we, when we game plan for the week uh, there's a game plan, but not much of a game plan at the same time, you know, Chad offers so much perspective on not only bowling, but on life. You know, he's a, he's one of the first guys I call if, if I need some sort of decision uh, opinion on, on something that that I'm considering or, or whatever it may be. And, and I cherish that, that opportunity and that relationship with him and i find it really interesting that chad's on the program today matt after uh the things that happened over the weekend and and i i was really struggling with 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 this morning with wanting to do this 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 show not not the fact that we're going to do the show but the certain sense of responsibility that you and i have by doing a daily show like a morning show it's an afternoon show on the east coast but We're here to talk bowling and we're here to just have a great time and talk about how all this coronavirus stuff is. We're starting to see some end of the the tunnel here, some light at the end of the tunnel and, and all these positive things and have this great conversation with Chad here today. But it just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right if on today, June the 1st, 2020, if you're listening on an archive podcast episode, what happened over the weekend and what happened last week in regards to the incident in Minnesota which is tragic and horrible, and I'm outraged over it. Being a white human being, Caucasian male, I have no idea the struggle. Um, I have no idea what that's like, nor do can I even try to imagine what that's like. Uh, I have no idea. But to see what's happening in all of our cities across the United States with, with places being burnt down and with the looting, and the protest and the police officers having things thrown at them. Um, it's just been a rough weekend. Uh, it's been a really, really rough weekend. Uh, I live in, in Ogden, Utah, and in Salt Lake City, Utah. You know, it's it's, it's it's one of the less crime cities in the United States, and I haven't seen any sort of rioting or, or even picketing or anything like that here since I've moved here seven years ago. And, and to turn on the news and to see a car flipped upside down, on fire and fights breaking out in the streets. I just, I didn't know where I was. I I just, I just didn't know where I was. So uh, I don't know how much we're going to talk about this today, but to everyone out there that is living in your city, um, I hope that you are safe and I hope that you are doing what you need to do to stay safe. Uh, As if a pandemic wasn't enough, you know, a pandemic wasn't enough. Um, how are things where you're at, Matt? Was there anything over the weekend that was close to you? Are you are you and your family okay?
1: Yeah, everybody in my family, thankfully, is is, is safe, all the stuff. Uh, thankfully, we're about 45 minutes, probably closer to an hour drive from New York City. And that's where all of the protests are happening. And yeah, it's a very um, sad time. My heart and uh, my prayers and thoughts go out to all of the people that have had loved ones taken from them. Um, and. You know, again, Mike, you you said it, you know, as as a Caucasian male myself, it's, I think it's important for us to stand up for what's right to stand up for the people that are being mistreated in the world. And I think it's important that we educate ourselves on how we can go forward and how we can make an impact um, and how we can be educated um, to make the lives of other people better. And um, I think it's, you know, it's in my heart and my, my prayers and thoughts also go out to those people who are having their businesses and their livelihoods affected by this. Um, you know, th- like you said, the coronavirus presented a huge obstacle for a lot of people. Um, and now yet uh, another obstacle is, is put in front of them as well. So my heart and my prayers to everybody that's been affected by everything that's going on right now, it's, um, it's truly a difficult time for a lot of people out there.
0: Yeah. If you just said to me in January of this year, as we turned into the the new century here, the the 2020, you know, uh, if we'd be sitting here June the 1st and you and I would be on episode 36 of a daily bowling show during a quarantine pandemic and then and that the cities would be burning down all weekend long. I I would I just wouldn't have believed it. But um, yeah, so I think we'll leave that uh at that maybe we'll discuss that Chad may want to weigh in on that or we may go there today I'm not sure where we're going to go exactly on today's show but I just want all of our listeners to know that we're aware of what's going on um we're feeling it as well and no matter where you sit uh and on on whatever side of all this you are how you feel about everything we respect how you want to deal with it and we're glad you're watching the show um and hopefully today talking some bowling and what we do on a daily basis will help you forget about some of that in some, some small way. Because we do have we do have a responsibility to somewhat entertain. And and if we, you're going to give us your time, we deserve to give you a show. So that's what we're going to do here today. So let's get into the normal program here, which would be our Bowler X poll question, Matt. What is our Bowler X poll question from Friday? Checking in on it. Which of the, fo- of the following has impacted the sport of bowling the most? Uh, evolution of equipment coming in at 79.3%, Matt. Wow, that's a huge number second place not even close evolution of human skill uh new lane machines, 6.1 new lane services 3.7 percent. pretty eye-opening there i hadn't reviewed the poll i was a little busy over the weekend there matt
1: yeah you know not surprised not surprised and i think uh i think chad would probably agree with the, the results of that poll i think that uh i think that I agree with it. The evolution of equipment has 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 had an enormous impact on the sport of bowling and, um, and probably will continuing forward. So um, I'm not I'm not exactly surprised by the result of this one.
0: And we're two we're two months away from a big rule change coming up here regarding equipment.
1: Yeah, yeah, we are. And man, exciting times, exciting changes coming for the sport of bowling. So it'll be really, really cool to see um, how that all plays out.
0: Sure, Will. Uh, what, what do you have for today's uh, poll question? Uh, we like to surround our poll questions around our guests. So what do we have today? USBC? Yeah, and
1: right. I, I came up with this poll question all by myself here. Um, it says, uh, which the question today presented by X is, which of the following is the most important member benefit offered by the USBC? Choice one, certified averages. Choice number two, tournaments. Choice number three, rules. And choice number four, equipment specifications. So if you,
2: right.
1: yeah. So, we'll so go ahead and uh, find us on Twitter at Inside Bowling and participate in our poll and let us know which benefit is most important to you.
0: Yep. Uh, a couple of programming notes. Walter Ray will be on tomorrow. Walter Ray Williams Jr. will be on the show tomorrow. Looking forward to talking to him about my bowling game as we bowled together and crossed together in La Raza and probably talked more than we ever had in our entire lives. So that'll be, that'll be a big topic for tomorrow. And then... Uh, my last thing I want to talk about before we get to our guest is last Monday we had Pete Weber on the program and we talked a lot about wiffle ball and, and I got a phone call yesterday from a gentleman that I've gotten to know here in Utah through Kim, through her workout friends and stuff. I got this phone call yesterday, Matt. He said, Hey, we had a friend of ours that passed away suddenly, tragically, and we're all getting together to remember him. We play wiffle ball and he used to play wiffle ball with us. And this guy in his backyard has a miniature Fenway park. And everything is 33% of the distances at Fenway. And I went and played in this 20-person wiffle ball game uh, over the weekend. And you may see how much sun I got.
1: Yeah, you are looking a little a little red there, Mike.
0: Dude, I am going to set up this golf net that I have in the backyard. And I'm going to start practicing my pitching. Because I, it looks like I'm going to get invited back. And I got to get my pitching game back, bro. I got to start building up some muscles and some arm strength because I'm going to go out and I'm going to tear it up. It's all about the pitching mat and wiffle ball.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm kind of worried here because you went and played soccer a couple weeks ago and you like tore your Achilles and then you yeah. went and you played, uh, you played something else and you're like beat up your arms and something. And now you're, now you're getting into competitive wiffle ball and I could just see this now like Mike, Again, doing this show, and when we come back with episode forty-one, like in an arm cast, oh yeah, he, like towards yeah. rotator race, or something,
0: everything. yeah, it's it's probably going to happen. But uh, it was cool to get out this weekend, and I really appreciate that invite that I got. Okay, um, let's uh, let's introduce our guest here today. Joining us today is the executive director of the United States Bowling Congress. He's also the host of the Friday Sport of Bowling show over on um, Sport of Bowling uh Facebook page as well as their YouTube channel, the Bull TV YouTube channel. Also simulcast on Bull TV every single week. And I've been nice enough to be a guest on that show for the last five or six weeks or so. It's uh, it's been a pleasure being on the show and having a relationship with this gentleman. And uh we're gonna do some now from his office in Arlington, Texas. Let's bring in Chad Murphy. Good afternoon, Chad. How are you?
2: Hello, hello. I'm I'm doing all right. Uh it's a crazy weekend around the country, but uh yeah doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. I, I always like to say, you you know, you've made it win and uh, being on the uh, probably what I, I believe might be the best uh, show in bowling on a you know daily basis. Uh, I, I know I have arrived by being on your show, Mike. So, and Matthew, thank you. I've, I'm a big fan of the show for sure.
0: Yeah, I guess I would ask you, Chad. That was very nice of you to say. What what which shows did you enjoy the most? Because I know you listen to just about every one of them.
2: Oh um, well, I enjoy all of them. I mean, that's the that's the you know for somebody that I'm, I'm in the podcast and news and and where I get my news and the things that come from that. So this expansion of people talking about bowling on a daily basis has been amazing. But Beef and Barnsley for sure sweep the rack. Uh, I still listen to Lenny. Um, I, I listen to any and all that's, that's out there. Obviously, John Market at Bowler's Journal. I, I try to get you know, my information just like everybody else does. I like to say all information is good. But you guys have done a wonderful job. A Pete show last week was great for me. I learned a lot of people know it because you know, Pete's not a, a terribly big fan of Chad Murphy at times. Uh, but there's a picture of Pete in my office. There's also one of, of Dick in my office on the wall here. Uh, and so I'm a, I'm a fan of bowling. Uh, in addition to being the ED at USBC. So uh, anybody talking about bowling is
0: good for me, but I do enjoy your show. Yeah, we definitely appreciate that, man, very much. And I appreciate the feedback you've given us uh, over the weeks. It's helped us get better. Um, You know, you talk about, you know, Pete Weber possibly, you know, not being a a big Chad fan. And that's the interesting thing about about being someone in charge of things, even myself. I mean, I've got guys out there that can't, they're not Mike Flanagan fans, right? I'm I'm
1: not a Mike Flanagan fan. No, he's not at all.
0: (laughs) Uh, and that's difficult. That's difficult because, because deep down you want to be liked by everybody, but at the same time, you got to stick to your guns and your beliefs and your actions and what you've done. Um, how do you de- how do you deal with that?
2: Well, I think if you've got processes in place that allow you to, you know, have good people around you and you get all the information and you make a good decision, you, you can stand behind those decisions. And so when people are critical, you, you also have to understand where their critical comes from. You know, even Pete and and what he did at the U.S. Open, and you know, I've got a long history with Pete that's that's good, and, and that's where I choose to, you know, think about it. And so, him, you know, making one comment doesn't necessarily bother me, um, and so I, I kind of wipe it off. I worked for a gentleman that that shared with me at one point in time in my past that, uh, and this was a direct quote. He said, "Hey, once you've taken up that skin, you're going to be really good at this business thing." And that was a number of years ago. And I found that to be very prophetic. Um, and, and it's just, it's easy if you've you put the right people in a room and you've done the homework and, and done all the research. And then you, know, you listen to, to everybody. And then usually the decision is right there. And so it's pretty easy to stand behind it.
0: Yeah, you know, um, when you took the position, you came out of youth. The, the youth de- department there you did a great job there and then you, you came into this this job and and from what i remember correctly correct me if i'm wrong but you 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 went guns blazing like you you came in guns blazing like hey if you need to get in touch with me you can send me an email you can hit me up on facebook you were responding to comments out in the marketplace when people had their facts wrong you were kind of correcting things and everything and then you just you just went away for a period of time and we talked about this a little bit on the interview that we did Jeez, yeah. What seems like ten years ago now, a couple months ago, I guess it was. But um, you know, now you're back. It seems like you're back. I've seen you out in the in the limelight or or in the bowling world more than we had seen you for a long period of time. How how is that going for you?
2: Well, truthfully, I never left. I mean, I, I still respond to all emails and take all phone calls. You you would still not believe some of the things that that we get here. And so I never left from that capacity. What I left was my Facebook page, and and I think that specifically um, was a place that you know this world is very polarized, um, and decisions um, you know people fall on both sides, and we can get into left and right and center. Uh, but if you see what you know has happened across the country this weekend, it's it's a product of that same environment. Uh, I like to take a very human. Um, nature approach to it. I always say you, you can't beat human nature and what you see, you know, on your TV screens over the weekend is, is a, a very polarized country. There's a lot of pain in the world. Um, and you know, I just kind of take a human, um, uh, look at it and it's hard not to be emotional about it and see some of the pain. Well, when you take that and you think about what was going on in the, in the marketplace at that time, when I, when I pulled out of Facebook, uh, you're right. we We had you know been very aggressive in the space, and we had, you know taken a lot of information from that space and doing Q and A's and all of that thing. But there was this element uh, that had come into it that was not productive. And again, I'll, I'll say this, you know you can see some of the element from this weekend. There's a lot of protesting going on that that is productive, and then there's this this piece of looting and 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 fireballing that that isn't productive and so it, it's tough sometimes and but it had become so unproductive that facebook just wasn't a place for me to continue to to you know work within but i never really left um you know i got a call from a, a lady last week um and no one would really be aware of this but she did a really wonderful job of, of explaining to me that that we had done a terrible job of man- of managing this pandemic and that you know May 1st with the tournaments, and then May 23rd, and then September, and, you know, Junior Gold being canceled, and it, it's almost like we didn't know what we were doing, and I, I tried to explain to her that we didn't, <laughs> and that I don't know how you could know what you were doing, and that I didn't disagree with anything that she was saying, uh, but then you think about that and what was going on on Facebook at the time, uh, you know, the threats and things that were going on. It was just a, a good time to get away, but I've never really left it, but being back, if you will, in this space, uh, it's a different medium, and these um, are opportunities to to help educate and inform, and we like doing that. Uh, we've continued to do it through the places that we've done it since I've been here. But yeah, we were very aggressive in the beginning, and. And took a more conservative approach there for a couple of years. Then answer your question. I was
0: yeah, it does. Uh, I just, you know, I just see myself like you and I. We've both realized through personality profiles and stuff that you and I are very, very alike, and that's one of the reasons why we resonate with each other. <laughs> and we kind of yeah. we're like magnets to each other. We both have our opinions. We don't agree all the time. That's for oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, but but it's just something that I feel like if I were in that if I would have been put in that position for some reason. I may have taken the exact same approach. Um, and that's why I wanted to to find out a little bit more about how things are going. But I, I think things are are going pretty good for you right now. I, I The interview that we did, you know, we looked at the comments from that. A lot of people really appreciated the perspective and the things that we went over. And then from there, you're doing your Friday show. And, and that's been really well received as well. Um, we're getting into the summertime where a lot of people kind of back away from bowling and some of the numbers go down a little bit. But uh, I love the fact that you're doing a show on Fridays with the USBC.
2: It's been fun,
0: and uh, you know
2: I hope we're we're able to to you know have it grow and have people understand. But you know our show not that much different from yours. Yours is probably a little bit more fun. Ours is probably a little bit uh, more serious because we're a business structure. But it's all good, Um, and and, you know I, I say it all. Information is good. So if we can you know inform and educate and process information and do it in a timely manner, I think it's a good thing as long as it's productive. Um, and it has been so far, I think, you know, there's a lot of, still a lot of folks out there that, you know, don't agree with a lot of the things that, that go on here, but the, the more opportunities we can to explain the why and the how, um, the better off we'll all be.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, we run an interactive program here, Chad, and I was looking at some of these, some of these questions coming in and I, and I think people do want to ask you some questions. So I will display these Matthew, um, because some of this, some of this is, is, is going to be to try to lighten the mood a little bit. The first question that you're going to be very experienced to answer here, Chad, is um, is the Black Widow ghost ball any good?
2: <laughs> um, I don't know a lot of the individual balls uh, these days, uh, to be honest with you. I remember the Black Widow being a very good ball, but honestly, I don't know what the, the ghost ball is. Uh, so I'm at a little bit of a loss there. I remember Black Widow Core. I remember Shell. I, I I just don't know a lot of the new balls since I left the ball business. But uh, I think there's a lot of companies that are putting out a lot of good product, um, and you know it's advancing technology. So it's, I'm sure it is.
0: Okay, well there's there's your answer there, Nick and Tiff Hernandez. There you go. Um, Chad says it's probably a good ball because all the manufacturers make make good products. I thought that was a cool question that came in, yeah. and also that leads me to an idea that Matt and I would like to share with you um, because we think you might be somebody that would want to be part of this. A couple of weeks ago, we did a fantasy draft for the St. Louis area for the St. Louis Masters. Oh, very, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. very
2: cool. Yeah. Very
0: cool. Yeah. We had more people tune into that than any other show we've done. Oh, wow. uh, which is very, very interesting That's too. Close, close, close. There were a couple
1: shows where we, uh, where we uh, piggybacked yes. off some celebrities. So
0: simulcasting as well helped us on some programs. Um, but we've got a, we've got a new idea here, and would like to get your take and see if you would maybe potentially want to be one of the people that participate in our next fantasy draft. Okay, Matt, Matt would you like to tell Chad what our idea is here? I mean, I think you'd
1: probably be better well-versed, but I'd be happy to tell Chad what the, what the idea is here, Chad. So if there's one thing that bowlers love, it's talking about bowling balls, and it's talking about bowling balls over over the course of time and the history of our sport. So, what we I'm want in. To do, okay, he's in. We don't have, <laughs> we're done. Good. Next question. I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. Matt. No, that's, it's, that's funny. Uh, essentially what we want to do is we want to have a fantasy draft where we have different captains, and they draft – their favorite bowling balls of all time from the, great, the, the
0: greatest bowling balls of all time fantasy draft. Um, we're thinking Larry Lickstein. We're thinking maybe a Mike Machuga or yourself. We'd like to maybe get permission to maybe use like a Rob Gotchel. um Danny Wiseman, Brian O'Keefe, mm-hmm, endless, endless people
2: mm-hmm. here. Yeah. I, I would love to participate. Obviously bowling balls are, um, are something that I've been passionate about all my life. Uh, there is a uh, wonderful museum up in Omaha that Richie uh, Stump, Abood, and Ted Bear. If you guys are ever you know interested, they've got an amazing amount of product, uh, which really starts in the beginning and, and moves up to the advent of resin. Um, and and you walk through there, and, and it makes you think about things. But as somebody that was in the ball business for a long time, but I also you know I did bowl at one time, so I have my favorites from there too. Uh, but one of the things that I did was uh, on the R&D side, product development, I would test all the products from the other companies. And so there's certainly a perspective there that, you know, the balls that I enjoyed to throw that we launched, but you could also see the goodness from the other manufacturers too. But yeah, that sounds like fun. I'd love to participate. I wish somebody though would, would also, and, and not to you know give you guys another idea, but if you want to, uh, I'd still love to see a fantasy draft uh, of fairly large one uh, that included not just today's PBA league but but all of it uh if you think about all of the professionals that have have played what would teams look like if you were putting together a draft of um uh, you know any and all and and the more teams that you have uh, obviously the deeper in the pool that it would be but this PBA league thing over the last number of years and of course we have the hall of fame and museum downstairs and you see the bud teams and the you know, the, the, the beer teams that are down there. And it's interesting. And Mike, you want to remember that whole conversation about the greatest of all time that we went through. I think there's a draft there that, that could turn into, I I think it would be a good thing into some arguments about certain players uh, that you would be selecting at that time. But I think there's so many great things to talk about within our sport. I think that all those things would be fun.
0: And yeah, people just get really competitive over these drafts and they love to analyze drafts for whatever reason. So you were just thinking strike while the, while the iron is hot on that one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like fun.
0: A couple Chad. other comments coming in really quick, Matt. Uh, yeah, we've go got ahead. Vic Krabowski says, Chad is an amazing man that truly cares and loves the sport. How about that one?
2: Thanks, Vic. I appreciate that. And it's, it's certainly the back part of that's certainly true. I leave it up to someone else to decide about the amazing man, but I do love the sport. Uh, I believe in it inherently and and have lived it all my life.
0: Now, we've got another question coming in um, from someone that you know very well, a little bit of a different end of the gamut here, but this is a question related to the Open Championships and a serious question. And I don't know if you have an answer to it, but we're going to display it on the screen at this time. Coming in, ask Chad what the protocol is going to be for testing staff for COVID-19 at the 2020 USBC Open Championships and Women's Championship and what will happen if a worker tests positive. Yeah, thanks,
2: Jeff. We are uh, working on a document that we've put a lot of time and energy into. It's in legal right now. Uh, We will publish that document soon, um, and it will cover everything you could possibly imagine from, you know, plexiglass to, you know, testing on site uh, folks come in, temperature uh, but there's some unique things about it, too, that are unique to our championships that, that have to be fully vetted out, including, you know, the ball in line and, and going to a touchless um, piece within that. So we've been working on it for quite a while um, and it'll, it'll be published as part of that. Uh, it's not just the Open and Women's Championships. It's also our short duration events. But then we're also a publishing a best practice into the marketplace for state and local tournaments. And so all of that will will come in the in the short term, um, but and it'll certainly be something that um, a lot of opinion and and you know conversation takes place. But obviously, we want to have a safe environment uh, that that everybody uh, can come to and compete and crown some champions. But at the same time, we've got to protect our staff, um, you know, from this. I saw something interesting this weekend. I've been following, you know airports and TSA um, patterns and how many people are coming in and that piece of business, even though we're opening up, that piece really hasn't uh, expanded. I think, you know, as of Saturday, there's 320,000 or so people that traveled um, against 2.2 million same day last year. And so when you think about somebody coming from New York to Reno to ball our championships, We've got to create a, a safe environment and we're working on it, but uh, not quite there yet.
0: Um, so good question. Yeah. And the follow up from Jeff, I'm sure, is the exact same answers. And what happens if one of the competitors turns out to have COVID-19?
2: Yeah, uh, that we're a little unique. And again, I, I, I'm not sure exactly where we're going to land yet. Um the competitor side is unique because technically they'll only be in for two, maybe three days. Where if you see some of the things that are going on in Major League Baseball or the NBA, you know, going to compete in this bubble down in Florida, you know, they're in for a couple months. Um, and so even our short duration, which is, you know, a master's, it's seven, eight days versus a open, you know, women's championships, which is just two days. Uh, it is a little bit different, but but we have to be very careful about how people come in and out of the championships. There's a better than average chance that we wouldn't see someone, you know, come in that, that had COVID before they got there or even afterwards. And then how would we quarantine after the fact? And so we've got a lot of people working on it. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but I, I would certainly entertain those questions after we publish uh, the document, um, which is probably still a couple weeks away.
0: Awesome. And then uh one other question that came in was now that reopening is happening, will you revisit some of the tournament cancellations and possibly reschedule? Uh
2: well, I'm not sure exactly what we're talking about there. Obviously the open and women's championships have moved to the fall, and so we're planning on running those. Uh, the PWBA cancellations are are, you know, was really a postponement, but there'll be a larger announcement because we're deeper into the schedule now. And so that conversation hasn't changed. Um, you know, calendar's still not on our side, that season generally speaking will be canceled and then we'll look to the fall to, to possibly hold an event or two. Uh, and how that looks will even be interesting if we can pull it off a masters, uh, senior masters, super senior classic, all still being worked through, um, as possibility for the fall at this point.
0: Okay. All right. Well, there you go.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Mike, I think it's time. I think, and Chad as well, obviously, I think it's time to switch gears here a little bit. We're getting into some nitty-gritty questions, but when we introed the show, Mike was talking about his new obsession for wiffle ball, and you chimed in here in our private private little chat head here and said, hey, guys, you know, we have our list of questions, but if there's one thing that I could talk about extensively, it's wiffle ball. What's your history with
2: wiffle ball, and and what can you tell us about the the game? I can tell you my slurve is unhittable. Uh, it is not a, a 12 to six. It comes right to left across. And so Mike, I, I would, you know, I would question whether you could hit that, but at the same time, 205 West 30th, uh, Hutchinson, Kansas, uh, was a, a home that I grew up in. It was a wonderful place. I lived in my grandparents' home, uh, with my mom and my brother. Uh, it was also, uh, had an unbelievable whiffle ball field in the backyard. It was called the Murph Dome. And we have, uh, <laughs> We held wiffle ball uh, daily in the summer uh, to the point where we also had to put up lights on the edge of the house uh, so we could have night games. Um, And so that was the that was the place to be growing up was our uh, wiffle ball field. But the cool part of it was the way it was constructed. You know, I I won't do a great job explaining it, but if you think about a diamond, uh, there was a pretty short porch in left and a little deeper in right. And so you know, home runs were were a part of of it, but we had a blast growing up with my buddies Chris Nelson and David Neal, and and uh, a whole bunch of a different folks in our neighborhood. Uh, to the point when my grandfather, my grandmother didn't know who was who was going or coming at different times, but it was all day most summers uh, during the day that we weren't mowing yards to try to pick up some gas money playing wiffle ball, uh, and then obviously we played baseball as well too. But uh, wiffle ball is a, a a very uh, happy place for me in my past uh, with my, the friendships that we had in that small town. But I enjoyed listening to you and Pete talk about it. Driveways. You, you can pop up a whiffle game, whiffle ball game just about anywhere you want. That's the beauty of it. At yeah. Junior Gold there. I can't remember two or three years ago we had a whiffle ball game at Junior Gold, which was a lot of fun too.
1: Yeah. And I, I have a couple follow-ups to this. We're doing this, this uh, series of videos right now with Mike Shady um, on, you know, how to be a better bowler and improve your bowling. I think maybe we should start an instructional series with you, Chad, on how to throw a slurve, and you can take us through the technique behind this right-to-left motion that you get going here on the wiffle ball.
2: Yep, and I, you know it, it's all you know pressure in those fingertips. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do and you put more pressure on the middle finger. Both uh, at different times. You got to mix it up, and oh then the speed that comes with it. Yeah, uh, and, it like- and again, it's all it's all you know getting it in. You know, at a uh, hitter and then across the plate, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, and you know, if you had those guys on, they they tell you I couldn't pitch at all. Up the- <laughs> there was, there was no heater. Uh, it was all movement, uh, including a including a dig dig knuckleball on the ball too. That was pretty effective. Uh, yeah. But it didn't come very fast, so when it got hit,
0: it went a long ways. And, <laughs> isn't there, like, a field behind headquarters there? Isn't there, like, an open area back there? We,
2: we would have. We you we could do it a couple different ways here for sure. Yeah, yeah. I
0: think – I'll tell you what, man. I think um... – you should you should take up like a like a little lunchroom little donation pool there and i think you should build something like this and and we'll come down and live stream the first one on both that
1: that's where i was was, that's where i was going with this i was saying i was gonna go in a little bit different direction here you know you said your slur was unhittable and mike kind of gave you this like dog head look like i could smack that out of the park no problem so i'm thinking maybe we almost have like uh like a 1v1 battle here mike said he's going to work on his pitching We'll go a couple endings, switching back and forth, and we'll live stream it. And I, I think, if you're asking me, I think the viewership would be incredible to watch Chad Murphy throw this slurve and buy, back Mike Flanagan off the plate a little bit. It's,
2: well, I'm going to hit him three or four times before I get it. Uh, but <laughs> I, I would practice. I would practice. But it's funny that we're having this conversation because uh, uh, our podcast that we do with uh, Tony Franklin – uh, you know, they're, they've got an argument going on there about where Derek Hartnell can, can throw an aim on our fastball. Uh, I'm one of three people that think he can, I think, after listening to their their piece this weekend. Uh, but I sent them a text this weekend. But, yeah, so, yeah, these competitions are great. They're a good conversation. But uh, it, it was a, a fun time in my life, as it sounded like it was for you, Mike, and also Pete. But I didn't know that you were going out this weekend and, and getting, you know, 20 guys. That sounds like a blast.
0: Yeah, this field was incredible. I got this invite to this hidden gym of a five-acre lot in far west Utah, and I went out there, and it was mini Fenway, man. I mean, it was the same dimensions and and, and everything. So, how did you play, Mike? Did you did you not well? Not well. (laughs) I was two two for five with two walks, and 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 I couldn't even pitch. Like I couldn't because you got to hit this. You got to hit this thing. Yeah, I saw it. It
1: looked like uh, like yeah. the back of a chair almost, just like.
0: Yeah, so I, I'll be practicing Um, if I get invited back, which I think I have an invite back, so.
1: All right, well, we, we'll have to make sure to take some video uh, to put on the show next time. This way uh, we can show everybody how how Mike Flanagan is looking out on the field.
0: Um, and I registered inside Wiffleball.com, by the way. I, I own that now. <laughs>
1: Why am uh, not nice. surprised? Why nice. am I not surprised? He's probably yep, in the middle dude. of the net. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's in the middle of an at-bat, and he's like, hold up, time. And he pulls out his phone, he's like, I got an idea. Got to process uh, this. That's fine.
0: But... Jeff Riggles, if you're watching, I registered 10thinning.com. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: that's funny. Rick it.
0: Ramsey, Rick Ramsey, don't go run some sort of side wiffle ball tournament next to mine, okay? Rick, I know you're watching, all right? Let's just come over. We'll see how we can get you to work with us.
2: This is great. I love this. setting. everybody straight. <laughs>
0: A little collaboration. Yeah.
2: It's amazing to me when you really think about this stuff, right? It just, we have a, uh, a company picnic every summer. And uh, one of the things that we've done there in the past is, uh, you know, we take our staff and try to have a day where they bring in their families. And so we did, uh, one of the things that uh, we did was Bowler's Ed, we put out the Bowler's Ed comp, uh, carpets. And so we had a tournament uh, with, with everybody, you know, parent and child, if you will. Uh, there's just so many different ways and so many different games that can take place uh, within, you know, what we do as a sport as well. And so it's a lot of fun to do some of those other things.
1: Yeah. And speaking of, of bowling tournaments, Chad, you used to be quite the bowler yourself. Uh, I know you've, uh, you've made some, some quite notorious appearances at some world team challenges um, and you, you won cut co- won one, won a couple.
2: Uh, world team challenge was a lot of fun. Uh, we we won two of the grand championships and we won four of the um, uh, regional events. Um, but I also bowled one as part of Team USA, so that was a a, a fun time in my life. Uh, I really enjoyed those tournaments. They were really hard, and and I mean really hard. Yeah,
1: if you watch the uh, so. the YouTube replays, you know people missing the head pin both directions. Very hard to hit the pocket. Um, do you get do you have any time to bowl for yourself now?
2: You know, I, I had a little, not a lot of people know it, but that they, I rebuilt my lower back about ten years ago. Uh, I've got uh, two rods. Uh, I think it's six pins and eleven, or no, six screws and eleven pins. And so I completely rebuilt my lower back. And so, uh, as Mike asked me on on our interview, it drives me nuts not to bowl well. And, and so uh, the only thing that I'm healthy and and I could, uh, but I need to spend enough time to, to practice, to, to do it well. And, and I don't like it to do it poorly. And so I bowl the open championships every year. Uh, when I can, we have a league here at the training center that I participate in once in a while, but but not a lot. When I first came down here, I, I bowled league uh, out at ULIS. Um, but I wish I had time to bowl more, but it's more about uh, the physical than it is, and the mental than it is the time, really. I've got time to do it. And but I do miss it. I always say you know one of the outlets for bowling is you know it's social and it's you know friends, but there's a competitive element to it too. But my own championship scores have gotten so soft at this point that it's very frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm looking forward to at some point in time putting the work in. I listened. God, who did I listen to this? Oh, John Burke was talking about the Senior Tour, and I'm 48. And so listening to John talk about the the senior tour made me wonder if as ed of USBC could I bowl the senior masters and so I did have that thought on my brain because that would be something that would uh, certainly motivate me to to practice and do well
0: bro bro well inside bowling will sponsor you in that event <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is a done deal this is yeah. a done deal I'll get you in touch with a couple coaches too um I'll give you rod ross's number uh you may or may not know this guy um shady we'll get you we'll get you hooked up try yeah <laughs> I appreciate the help there. Yeah. We just yeah, turn around. Yeah.
2: I obviously can't, uh, I can't cash, uh, but I wondered if I could bowl cause that one would be fun for me. So then I thought the senior U S open cause that one I, I could bowl, but uh, I'm not sure, you know, being 48 years old, 50 sounded like a lot of fun. Uh, just listening to John Burkett talk about it the other day, maybe think about it a little bit, but I miss the competitive side. And I like to think that if I put a little work in, I'd still know where it was going, but when i bowling open championships, it makes me think that maybe that or none of that is true.
0: <laughs> yeah. And hey, I think I think it was a week ago yesterday um, was five years on Swanee. Um, and I wa- I watched that video again. Kim actually picked it up and shared it and said, hey, it was five years ago today. You know, good on Kim to be able to pick that up and remember that and be paying attention to the media that we have. Um and and when I was growing up watching the, the Ebonite Nitro Rs, you know, in my age range, you know, that's when I was really heavy in the bowling. I mean, I was cleaning my bowling balls in my house two to three times a week before I went bowling even and watching you guys bowl. Like I remember going to the landmark lanes and I got one person's autograph at Landmark Lanes on my Lens. Though the purple, the purple and teal ones. What were those? The special edition? Uh some lens special editions. Yeah, I'm not sure. I got I got one autograph and you probably wouldn't even know who I got the autograph from, but one guy I wanted on my shoe and it was Lonnie Wallachek of all people. Right. How crazy is that? And I walked up to him. I said, would you sign my shoe? And he goes, me, I "I love watching your world team challenges. And he goes, you're kidding. And, and he signed my shoe. Right. And, and you bowl with Lonnie. And, and I remember the Ebonite Nitro R's and what a great, what a great team that was. And with Swanee, you know, passing away way, way too soon with the strikeout sarcoma uh, foundation stuff that he started. We talked with Pete last Monday about this. Um, I see you bowl on that, and you, you were a great bowler. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You were a great bowler on that team. Uh, thoughts on on Swanee? And, was,
1: that, was, was that them, Mike?
2: That was them. Yeah, that's the women's shoes.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: Yeah, I saw Barnes pop up there. I actually uh, sent Lonnie a text this morning. It was a lot of fun. It, it, just a couple of things. I'll, I'll be brief, and I don't know if you can see it uh, behind me, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do a great job, but there's a little tribute to Swanee that's on my office uh, here. And it was actually something amazingly that Spencer Robarge uh, sent me. And I don't know if you, 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 not everybody will know who Spencer is, but most folks will, um, you know, he won our U 12 division at junior gold. He's from uh, St. Mary as Swanee. And after he won uh, that he came over and uh, he had one of uh, Swanee's uh, uh, bracelets for a strikeout sarcoma, sarcoma on his hand, and he said he put it on top of the trophy, and he said, "Hey, I did this uh, for Sean," and uh, that hangs on my wall today as a as a you know reminder uh, of him and, and what a re- wonderful. But those times were great. Not a lot of people will will remember it, but but my start in that tournament came. Uh, on a completely different team. And we bowled in some, you know, on some amazing teams before really that team was formed. Uh, but I bowled with Chris Barnes, uh, Steve Plumpkin, uh, Danny Broadway, and Joe Vito uh, on the first television show on that Chris had, uh, and Steve had asked me to bowl. I'm not sure who, I'm, I'm not kidding. Somebody, they had somebody in a, fell off. And so they asked me to bowl as like the 19th choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we bowled uh, through the Evan, piece Lonnie, Billy, and I bowled with uh, Ron Williams and Jason couch in one, and one in Edmund. We bowled with Brunswick with Johnny Petraglia and a gentleman named Dwayne Fisher, who a lot of people won't remember, but Dwayne bowled seven seventy two blocks in a row and missed the cut. Uh, so anyway, those tournaments were a lot of fun. I appreciate you bringing up Swanee. It always gives me a chance to talk about it. Uh, miss him dearly, love him to death, uh, but he's still here, um, you know, in in some ways too. But that was a lot of fun. He, he struck uh, he struck us to a lot of those titles, and the rest of us spared uh, as much as we could to keep up. <laughs> so, but those were fun times.
0: I didn't know we were going to talk about your bowling this much today. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, we, we never know where this show is going to go, but I figured I would ask, "What's your what's your greatest accomplishment on the lanes?" I, I've never asked you this. You know, I,
2: I don't know. I I really hope that we were you know going to talk about some other things because my bowling is not something <laughs> that I I really like to spend a whole lot of time talking about. Uh, but I, I want a few sweepers, you know, at the at the roller, if not many eliminators, uh, that I was, you know, really enjoyed, uh, made a few runs at, at at those tournaments. I wanted the super Hoinky that I I remember, you know, but most of the, you know, wins, if you will, were, were with others, with teams and and Barnes and I won a, a, a tournament in Shreveport, I don't know, Shreveport, Texarkana, I think one year doubles tournament, uh, where we beat Tony Franklin and Lonnie in the finals. And, um, um, Chris and I rode down with Lon, and so Tony went back to Dallas Lon rode back with us. Uh, mm-hmm. so those are the things that you remember that are fun, uh, in addition to the bowling, but, um, I, I, I miss those competitive days, but, but really just the fun, the people, uh, so much of this sport for me has been, uh, being with others and, um, and, you know, being supported by others and supporting others, and it's just been fun to watch over time. You think about uh, how I started bowling, and then when I got in the pro shop business, and then I got into teaching, and then tour repping. Uh, there has just been an incredible amount of of uh, uh, fun th- through others, and some of it through failure. <laughs> there's a yeah. lot, of that, speaking lot of bad of, bowling, in too.
1: Speaking of failure, I wanted to go in the opposite direction here. What's your most embarrassing
2: bowling story? Oh my gosh! Uh, I told that story. I'm not sure where, but uh, my first, I think, PBA event. I was red leader the first day, and and Dell Ballard, you know, pointed out that I was red leader. I didn't even know what red leader was, uh, but I was red leader that day. Um, and Dell's you know, he still talks about it uh, sometimes. Uh, but you know, when you are a you know fish in a certain pond, and then you go into the big pond, and you're the little fish. you you probably think you're a little better than you are. Um, and I know I, I got a pretty humbling, you know, look at that in, in bowling some tour stops when I started tour rep and I realized I wasn't good enough to play out there. Uh, but we had a lot of fun bowling all over this country. Um, you know, from New York at the buddy Russell down in Texas, um, super hoinky hoinky, you know, we bowled all over this country, which gave me some chops and, and, but the one thing that it did that was really special for me was was meeting all the people that I did, developing you know the relationships that I still have a lot of them today. And, and I would tell you that that's when you say, Hey, what's your best moment bowling? It was, it was meeting a lot of those people and having them uh, be able to say that they're still friendships I hold
0: today. One of the other things that, that is something that I believe in probably because I'm biased here, but I like it when big, um, big bowling companies whether it's the usbc or the pba or storm or brunswick or or motive or any of these big companies right i always like it when there's a diehard bowler at the helm it's just a preferred thing for me right i just i just like that and there's been a lot of people who've sat in your chair that not haven't necessarily been big time bowlers uh how has you being a bowler do you think how how has that helped you do your job
2: well i I think it's inherent, right? I think it's, you know, it certainly has given an advantage uh, to me understanding the sport. I learned so much in the pro shop business uh, that, you know, doubled up when I was a ball rep um, and then, you know, tripled up, if you will, uh, when I worked for the manufacturer. And so just learning through all of that, but, you know, understanding why the six pin goes around the 10 and doesn't knock it over Uh, is something you wouldn't think that much about here. But as I was doing that, you know, I also was, you know, attending my local association banquet in, in, you know, in Wichita, Kansas at the time, which, so I understood the association business and, you know, city tournaments and state tournaments. And I I didn't bowl a lot of state tournaments, but the whole tournament piece is another piece of what we do here. Um, But I, I would tell you the number one, you know, advantage to being a bowler is that, Pretty much at any time, I, I can make a few phone calls and get a bunch of bowlers in here and, and, and put them in a room and ask them what they think about a given product or project uh, or really a problem uh, that needs fixing. And I think that's the biggest piece is to know. I mean, when we brought those 13 Pro Shop guys in a few years ago, to be able just to call those guys and say, hey, what you guys got time to come in here and, and spend a, two days with us talking about you know bowling balls? Um uh, I think that's the biggest benefit is, is to really have those relationships to be able to, to bring folks in to help us because uh, we don't – I don't have all the answers, but we're looking for them. And, and we've, you know, really expanded, you know, from, you know, maybe one or two people working on a project to a, an entire, you know, group of people working on a project. Same thing with the Open Championships, really back in the youth department. Same thing with junior gold. I remember the first time we had those, you know, eleven junior gold coordinators in here. It was just we learned so much by having them here. But I think that all comes from me being a bowler and and, and understanding it that there's other bowlers that that want to help as well. And so we've we've capitalized on on that as well.
0: Yeah, and from me being a bowler, there's a lot of times that I wake up in the morning with whatever roles or positions that I have, and I feel like I have to educate myself better because I am just a bowler. I'm not, I'm not deeply educated. I don't have a master's degree. I don't even have a regular degree, you know, and I feel like I always have to learn more things that, uh, so I'm just not labeled a bowler. And I know you like to read a lot of books. You like to pay attention to a lot of different things. And what, wh- why do you do that? Is it because you're a bowler and you feel like you have to help shape yourself even better? What, wh- why the passion for all these book readings and, and trying to learn different philosophies and ways to do better in your job?
2: Well, I think I wasn't formally educated, right? When the people ask me, hey, what's your degree? And I say, well, it's in bowling. And so the books are uh, uh, an avenue for me to learn uh, that goes beyond bowling, uh, but it applies to bowling. It applies to the business of bowling. It applies to the business of you know, a governance structure like USBC, it applies to uh, life, you know, being a human being. And so the books for me have always been an outlet to learn I've attended a lot of, you know, seminars. I had a lot of of mentors that were really invested in me and and wanted to give me opportunities because I think they knew I wasn't formally educated, uh, but that I did have this basis for knowledge, you know, back to how that applies for you. I mean, anybody's throwing a ball down the lane and watches it, you know, skid and then get to the back end and then turn over and, you know, leave a ring in 10 and then think you threw it good and want to know why. Right. Well, then you, you get into the physics of it, you get into the ball motion of it, and you get into how the ball contacts the lane, and then you get into the, you know, the, the having a, an engineer help us with that. But the books are, are just an outlet to you know, being more informed about uh, things that maybe I wasn't formally educated on to begin with. Uh, but even if I had gone and, and, and really spent a lot of time on my education, I enjoy the books. Uh, I enjoy learning. I have learned so much through this journey, through others, the people around me. Um, It happens every day here. So the books are just an avenue to that.
0: Yeah, you guys have a book club there, uh, from what I understand, that you pass around books. And and it's part of the culture there uh, at USBC.
2: Yeah, the year uh, Christmas gift to the staff, I pick out a book, I think every year except for one. Uh, And and there's a book club that's going through that book this year. It was Leaders Eat Last. I think uh, it was Good to Great. Um, uh, I read an interesting book from Jean France, uh, recently that failure is not an option. Uh, there's just so much to be learned, uh, and gathered through others, but I, you know, one of the things I talk to my kids about all the time, cause they, they play baseball and basketball. I mean, all of these are, their, their successes through, through failure. Uh, it comes through failure. And so when you, you know, think about how to do that, but, um, more people being interested in learning is a good thing, and if we can do it collectively, it's even better. What's uh,
0: what's what's the greatest thing that you've done uh, working in Arlington? What's what are a couple of things maybe that that you remember that that you're really proud of? Well,
2: honestly, I mean, the first thing there is, I mean, I, I haven't really done anything, uh, and so that's my you know pat answer to that question. We've, we've we've done a lot here, but you know, it, it comes through our staff and working with our volunteers in the marketplace. Um, we've, you know, had successes, we've had failures. Um, the successes, we, we we don't talk about a lot because we, we live them, right? I mean, when you think about, you know, an association leadership academy that was developed that that people, for the most part, a lot of our bowlers wouldn't necessarily even see, but having the opportunity to educate our association so that we can be better as an association and serving our members, that's, that's something that that came out of Mothballs for us. Um, And we put a group together and and started working on it. And it's been an incredible success here. Um, Our tournaments, you know, being able to, you know, look at them and the size they were when when we came in. You know, when somebody gets a job like this, uh, there's a reason for it. You know, somebody else leaves or or moves on, um, but maybe it wasn't as successful and so, you know, but, there's a lot of history and tradition here too you think about 116 years of an open championships that comes with a lot of responsibility so um, i don't know that the, there's one you know all being accomplishment you know back in the youth area there were several things that we've done you know as a group with our youth committee that were a lot of fun to be a part of that are still going today but um i personally haven't haven't done much here uh except for trying to put the right people in the room uh so that we can be more successful uh for the marketplace and for our members
0: Yeah. And speaking of membership, um, you know, I've seen all over social media. I mean, for going on probably 15 years now, why, why should I, why should I buy a USB-C card when they took the rings away? Right. Okay. Now, now I want to say that. And I, I'm kind of laughing about this, right? Because (laughs) it just doesn't, that, that statement has been said so many times and it just doesn't make sense to me. So if I, if I were just to ask you the direct question And you had the opportunity here to just tell people, why should I be a member of the United States Bowling Congress? What, what's your answer there?
2: Rules, standards of the game. I mean, that it's, it's really that simple. Um, you know, the process that we go to, to, you know, manage a rule book in the legislative piece of business and, and, a you know, something becoming a rule is the responsibility of every member and without the rules and the standards, it would, it would just be chaos. Um, I think we've seen some of that this weekend uh, that has been disheartening. Um, But I think, you know, the rules and the standards, yeah, you can get a certified average, the ability of bowling tournaments. There's all of these great things that, that, you know, a a member is afforded by purchasing a, you know, $25 or so membership, but the the rules and the standards will, you know, live forever. And, And they will evolve too. When you think about equipment specs and bowling balls and, you know, the length of the lane I don't think is going to change in, in some of those pieces, but um, it's the standard in rules rules that, that is the, the basic principle for the entire organization.
1: Yeah, and, and speaking of rules, a follow-up question. We had a question come in from the chat. Um, what typically drives or initiates rule changes, for example, you know, weight holes or, or lane oil requirements?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it can come from anywhere, and that's the beauty of it. Any member can put forward legislation by September of one every every year for consideration. Um, the the weight hole was a product of us really, you know, researching the sport when I first came in, uh, and our team got kind of organized here. There was a you know large you know piece of the marketplace. And again, not to, to use, you know, left, right and center, but, but in our game, we have, you know, traditionalists, we have people who are more progressive and then we have, you know, the folks that kind of land in the middle. Uh, I believe very much in our um, sport currently and love it. The strategy that goes into it, the thinking of uh, what these kids are learning today versus what we learned when we were, you know, 12 to 18 is enormous uh, for them to be competitively, competitive and do well. Um, but the process of that is just, you know, through ideation and then research and then data collection and then, you know, seeing what we can do. We set out to, to kind of see where we were at and what we should be doing. And when we came out, you know, through the end of the process, we, we put a new spec in for oil absorption and we eliminated the weight holes, uh, Not to really roll back technology, but to, to try to slow down the future progression of the technology. And so that's where that came from. But it was a you know, large swath of people that had come into the building through different groups that, that uh, landed on that, uh, those decisions.
0: I, I equivalent uh, being a, a USBC member to just number one, it's the right thing to do. Um, number two, every single year to drive a motor vehicle, no matter what state you're in, you either got to pay personal property tax or you have to pay a registration fee to be able to drive your car around, right? And in bowling, I feel like that's what the USBC is. But in in addition to that, there's a lot of strobe light, really cool things that happen at the USBC that provide platforms and events and things that you can get some entertainment out of as well. So um, I've always been a USBC member and will always be one. Uh, It's just it's disheartening for me to see uh, folks taking it to what's in it for me today in regards to I pay this much money and I can get this much back. Um, That's really not what it's about at all.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that perspective because I think you're right. I, I also, you know, when you really think about this in, in totality and, and, you know, how the whole thing, you know, progresses together, it's a, it's a rough get sometimes because a lot of people don't realize, and, and I didn't, I'm a lifetime bowler uh, that, that grew up in my grandfather's bowling center that bowled youth leagues, uh, tournaments all the way through, um, you know, to some PBA events. Um, and I didn't know how wide or deep the offering that USBC offers its members um, is until I worked inside this building. And I'm not sure what to equate that to, but, but when you think about, you know, something like Team USA or equipment specs or the, you know, six people we have in rules adjudicating or mediating a rules dispute, you know, customer service, membership associations, managing, you know, 1600 associations across, there's just so much here. Uh, but I had no idea that it was here. So we don't really have a direct expectation that, you know, somebody in, you know, say Wichita, Kansas would know all of that, uh, but we know it's our job to service it. And so we just continue to do that and try to get more people to understand all of the things that are, that go on here that are good for bowling, but also important for bowling. And, and I do think it's the right thing to do, but uh, and a lot of people won't completely get this part, but we're also the largest membership organization of the fifty-one, you know, governing bodies with USOC. Uh, we're the biggest, uh, and and I think that's a credit to our members, uh, the local bowling centers that have supported it. I always say all bowling's local, um, and we, you know, even this this media piece, the digital piece that we're all engaged in, and and Matthew, I've heard you say a couple times, and I appreciate it because it gives me the opportunity about seeing how far behind we are at some of this in the past, and I, I think it's true. Uh, but but really, bowling is a locally owned and operated, community-based uh, activation and sport, right? And so when you think of that, uh, was this the, their larger piece uh, for somebody to talk about digitally? And so now it's just evolving, uh, but mostly within the more elitist group of within bowling, which is the the PBA and the PWBA and at, at the national level. But really, our our basis for the organization is that customer that that bowls league um sometimes four times a week and that's pretty cool it really is
0: yeah a couple more questions coming in here for you chad um you know and i also think you know that in regards to the whole uh usbc membership or whatever you know, I just want to reiterate again that people should just buy the membership cards because there's a lot of great stuff going down there. I, I've I've toured that campus. I've seen what you guys do. And I wish everybody had, had the same opportunity to just fly down there and check everything out. But a couple more questions here really quick. Um, question here from Roy says, uh, does the USBC national management level promote from the local USBC people available for job positions? Or do you look at overall job market for people in senior positions at the USBC?
2: Um, you know, our careers page at bull.com is open to anyone that would, would like to be a part of it. Um, you know, can you pop that back up there again, Mike? Cause I want to be specific to his question. Yep. Um, and Perfect. so our job searches are, are similar to, to any, you know, search that any company would do, uh, local USBC people available for job descriptions. Uh, I'll give you a, a direct example of that one. So David Fields, who is our, uh, regional manager for the South, East, if you will, he was an association manager uh, for down in Houston, and so the answer to that question is yes. Uh, Roger petron is a regional manager who was a, a bowler uh, at Wichita State and had done a, a few other things. David Prang, uh, same thing, local association uh, person. So yes, there is some of that, if you will, where where people do come in through the the local associations with what we're doing with center certification over the next few years, we'll be looking for locals to fill some of those uh, positions. Um, and so the, the simple answer is yes, but, but there are other positions uh, that in some cases wouldn't come from the local association uh, or could, depending on the, the second career. A lot of folks that work with our local associations are volunteers, so they have a main job and then they volunteer with our, with our local And so when you go to, you know, find somebody to write code in IT, uh, do you have a code writer, you know, that knows bowling? And that's a good thing if we can do that. Uh, And we have a couple of those folks that are here. But we also, you know, have that other group that that probably doesn't have any bowling experience. But our process of hiring is the same as any company. We post and then we hire the, the most qualified applicant.
0: Yeah. And if somebody wanted to try to find a job, not necessarily right now because of what we're going through in the world, but when jobs start to become available, where do they go?
2: Uh, Bowl.com, and there's a careers section uh, down at the bottom of the
0: homepage. Cool. Uh, Adam Barta here, one of your biggest fans, comes in and says, thank you for your leadership, keeping the focus on making bowling bigger and better. Your position requires a very thick skin, and I applaud your ability to stay on track. And then he follows up with this question right here, which is, when your time is up at USBC, what do you want to be best known for? What type of legacy?
2: We, uh, Adam, thank you. Uh, I look forward to seeing you guys bowl at the open championships in the fall. Uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, you know, I don't spend too much time thinking about the legacy piece. I really don't. Um, and, you know, I said two things when I, when I came in um, that I've repeated over and over again, is that we, we really don't want to speak negatively uh, about the folks that came before us, and we don't want to leave it for the next group. Um, and so we, we manage the business uh, like it's going to be here 20 years from now. And we think if we'll make decisions on the long-term best interest of bowling uh, as opposed to the short term, uh, that we'll be better off. And so that's just kind of how we've gone about it. Uh, but the legacy piece is really for somebody else. Um, but I hope that whatever, you know, legacy, you know, does come from it is that it's a product of our team here. Of the staff here as opposed to, to any one person, because it, it takes a lot of people uh, thinking about this stuff all the time to really be successful. Um, and, and we're successful here because of a large group of people uh, as opposed to, to one
0: person. Okay. We're getting ready to uh, be about out of time here. I'm going to send it over to Matt for a final question. I'll have one and we'll let you wrap up.
1: Yeah, Chad, more of a little bit on the more personal side, who do you lean on Uh, for advice and for guidance when things start to get hard. Everybody besides Mike Mike Flanagan.
2: Yep. Everybody. Uh, You know, I I lost one of those uh, people recently when uh, Bob Reed passed away a few months ago. He was somebody that I learned a lot from that I didn't know I was learning from at the time, but uh, he's somebody that I spoke to uh, fairly frequently. But uh, the answer to that question very directly is, is everybody. Uh, when you think about, you know, having Frank DeSocio at BPA as a resource or Pat Sinello at Cubic AMF as a resource, or Corey Dykstra at Brunswick as a resource. Uh, There's just so many resources uh, within the industry, but then dig down a little bit deeper and think about all the folks that we've brought in, bowlers, uh, pro shop operators. Um, You know, my job has become easier because uh, everyone else has been so helpful. We've, we've looked to, you know, people that worked at, you know, ABC and USBC at one time before uh, as sources for information. Uh, personally, of course, I, I, I look to and listen to the people around me, um, but our staff here as well. We've, we've got a wonderful staff here that's really our passionate bowling warriors, but, but the industry as a whole has been so helpful uh, in trying to move things forward that it's a, it's a wealth of knowledge. As long as we're, we're willing to, you know, be open to the ideas, which we are, um, that come from the marketplace and, and really discuss them and move forward with the good ones.
0: My final question the current state of the world right now if a bowler is watching this right now, uh, what should they do to help support bowling?
2: Uh, just you know be yourself and keep bowling. Uh, just you know really learn and uh, that's a tough question Mike because everybody has their own individual uh, beliefs about bowling uh, within bowling right? And so I think if we can keep dialogue going uh, about what bowling needs, it'll push us and everyone to, to do better. Work with your local bowling centers, work with your local associations, get involved in both of those two places uh, and thinking about what's best for you know the business. Uh, and the, the piece that's most important within that business is the sport. And so how do we you know make uh, the sport a bigger part of the culture uh, of a business, uh, that is responsible for, you know, putting food on the plate for, uh, families, uh, but just be yourselves, um, but be thinking about the the bigger picture when you can. And, uh, that being, uh, how the sport will, will thrive long-term.
0: Cool. Any, uh, closing thoughts, uh, for you before we let you get out of here? I just say, thanks for having
2: me. I enjoyed it. Uh, i as I always say, I, I wish we could spend less time uh, talking about uh, my bowling and, and more about others' uh, bowling, but I know it always comes up. But I, I would just say to everybody out there, I know there's a lot of distress in the world, and this weekend was was really emotional and tough, but but please take a, a human look at it and take care of each other. And uh, we're really looking forward to having more bowling centers open up over the next few months and and looking out uh, to, to what's going to happen over the next year. Uh, one of my favorite – you know, we, all we have is what's in front of us. And, and if we'll, we'll think about that moving forward, we'll, we'll be better off these things that are happening, this COVID-19, there's, there's experts working on it and health and, and uh, doctors. And, and we're just focused on what bowling will look like uh, through it, but then after it, because all of the great things that were there about bowling are still going to be true uh, when all of this is over. And then we look forward to that. So be safe, stay healthy.
0: Yeah, we appreciate you coming on, man. We appreciate the relationship, too, on and off the air. We really do.
2: Thanks, man. You guys be good.
0: Have a good Monday. Take care. You too. Uh, That's Chad Murphy from Arlington, Texas, at the United States Bowling Congress from his office. Uh, Your thoughts on today's show, Matt?
1: Just another great show. It was nice to see a little different side of Chad. I didn't know he had a nasty slurve, so that was a cool thing to learn about him. I would yeah. love to see you in the batter's box against him and see if you could uh, make contact and send one over the fence. Um, not sure, Mike. I got to. I got to say right now, uh, if I was a betting man, I'd be betting on Chad Slurve.
0: Oh, definitely, because um, I got to work. I got to work on my upper body, dude. Um, I really got to work on my upper body. And I and and this motivated me yesterday. This uh, this two for five and two walks isn't going to cut it. Um, I didn't even come close to hitting a ball uh, over the green monster and left. It just didn't happen. Um, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there working on my tan, you know, we've only got four shows left, you know, and I've been white as a ghost on every single show. Yep. Now I finally got a tan and we're going to shut the thing down for a while. Yep. Don't forget everybody. You can contact us at media and inside bowling. If you want to write us and tell us what we should do with the show moving forward, whether it's once a week, every day, you want us to come on the weekends, you want us to do 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. show. I'll dress as Santa Claus on Christmas, whatever you want. We, we will try to figure out what we want to do. For you, We've got a lot of other things that we're working on behind the scenes that are other products and other things digitally that we want to work on that we're doing. Um, so we're working hard and, and I've been really tired. I've been really tired, but we're but we're, we're mowing through it. And I'll tell you next week, no shows. I'm actually looking forward to that. Um, and I don't mean that to be just to, to, to piss off anybody in our audience or anything like that. But I'm looking forward to hitting the reset button. And when we do come back, coming back better than ever. But again, you know, I want to thank Chad for coming on the show today you know, he, he, he believes in, in in me and he believes in inside bowling and he believes in our entire group. Uh, I believe that they've tried to, uh, hire both of us at one point in time. And they'd like to have us on their team. Uh, the stars don't align at at this particular time, but you never know one day down the road, Chad might be working with us or we might be working with him one day, you know, and you just never know in this business. Mike, Mike Judy told me a long time ago uh, when I took a job with storm, I saw him at the proprietor's company goes, you know, uh, one day, one day, we'll, you know, you never know, we might be working together. And I was, you know, I was young and naive. I said, oh no, I'm going to be with Storm for the rest of my life. Uh, maybe one day you'll work over here. Right. Well, you know what? A four and a half years later there I am in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, and I walk right into Mike Judy's office and I said, how the hell did this happen? So that's what happens in bowling, Matthew. Yeah. Same thing happened with us, Mike.
1: I saw you the last day of junior gold, like three years ago and we were hanging out and uh we were just sitting there chatting you're like hey man um let's go out to lunch sometime this will be my way of uh treating treating you for when you come on board and you work with me in the future yeah. and then three years later almost exactly here I am shooting this vlog series with mike Flanagan for 10 days and and hanging out and now we uh, now we're good friends so
0: yeah and you, you pay it forward and I just took a Mike judy trick right out of the back pocket <laughs> it's all those things these ideas and things that i do I don't come up with any of it i just yeah. hang out with the right people the smartest people in the room and yeah. then i just take everything that they've done and i apply it into one person and i look like a genius
1: yeah it's one of those things where we've been talking about this throughout the course of the show is that they're ridiculous things. And if they work, you look like a genius. And if they don't, well, of course they didn't because they were ridiculous to
0: begin with. Exactly. It's when you make a calculated thing that makes sense and it doesn't work out is when you get buried in this industry. I've learned that and I don't ever put myself in that position. And the few times that I have, oh my God, dumpster fire for me. (laughs) But hey, we want to thank everybody for watching our program today. Tomorrow we're going to have Another goat on Walter Ray Williams Jr. I am really looking forward to getting to know Walter um, because we'll be getting to know him for the first time together. Not only our audience, but us as well. So that's going to be a good show. Um, And we'll be announcing the rest of our guests this week. We do have all of our guests lined up except for Friday's guests. We're just waiting for confirmation on that. We are going to have a pro shop show on Thursday. We're going to have three pro shop operators on. And we're going to talk about what's happened with the pandemic, what they've seen. One's an online e-tailer. You may know which one that is, one that we're in business with polarx.com and we'll have some others on as well but we're looking forward to the rest of the week and we mean it 40 episodes man this has been a grind but we're happy to do it for the people and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a great show see you everybody